0: Amen. Matthew chapter number five, starting at verse number 38. And I'm reading this from the New Living Translation, and you will see it there on the screen. And it goes like this. Verse 38 says, you have heard the law that says the punishment must match the injury. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek. Offer the other cheek also. My God. help Okay, got work to do today. If you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for one mile, carry it for two miles. Give to those who ask and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. Amen. When that family member call you, hey amen, let me get $20, let me get 15 let me get. Fifty dollars. You have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your father in heaven, for he gives sunlight to both the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect, even as your father in heaven is perfect. Amen. And if you're writing notes today, the title of today's message is How to Win Your Enemy. How to Win Your Enemy. Your enemy let us pray Jesus we thank you and honor you For this moment you have given us to gather today Holy Spirit do what Only you can do let your anointing be Strong today open our hearts and our Ears to hear from you in Jesus name we pray Amen how To win your enemies what Do you do with enemies What do you do With enemies I mean what do you do Literally I'm just out the gate what do you do With people that you just I mean Lord Jesus, they, that's what they make you say. They just make you take it. You be trying to explain it. You ever been trying to explain something to somebody? You know, just part. Of your life. You know what? I don't even. You ever just had somebody work your nerves that bad that you ain't even got words no more? You just say, it's just, Lord have mercy. That's all you say. Lord, help me. Holy Spirit, do help me, Lord. Just show show me where I'm wrong. You ever had, okay? Everybody okay? Yeah. Ever has you ever had a situation or somebody or a group of people you just like they just working my last nerve. Mm. They said you said yeah you should say you on my last reserve nerve. Yes. <laughs> I was keeping that nerve just for emergencies, and you on that one. You in my reserve tank of grace right now on my last reserve nerve. And what Jesus does, he gives us a little insight because he tells us this is the thing. Jesus doesn't shy away from the fact that you got an enemy and you may have some enemies and we have to make sure we understand that. Jesus never said, oh, once you get saved, everybody's always going to be good with you and you always be good with everybody. Jesus says there's going to be times where you have an enemy. Or you have some enemies where you have something with your brother or with your sister, where you have something with another group of people, where something at the job, where it's something that is rubbing up against us, causing some friction. And he gives us some insight on how to handle our enemies. And this is the thing is that a lot of times what Jesus does in a lot of his teaching, he actually doesn't always focus a lot on what we do with other people. He deals with a lot, even as we've seen through this passage, as we've been preaching the last few weeks, he deals a lot with what's going on in our own heart. Because I heard a uh, pastor Jamal Bryan. He 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 wrote a book called I believe it's World War World War Me, and what he was saying was that a lot of times the war is on the inside. Even Joyce Meyer, a famous preacher, has a famous book, The Battlefield of the Mind, because we recognize that most of the time the conflict is within us. It really ain't about what you said to me. It's about my own insecurities. It really ain't about how you looked at me. It's about my own low self-esteem. It really ain't about what Mr. R said or did. It really is not. Most of the time, most of the time, it's not really about that. It's about my own issues with rejection. It's about my own issues with my insecure about my height. It's about my own issues insecure about my appearance. It's about my own. It's about my own anger. It's about a lot of times the war is on the inside. But Jesus leaves us in this passage. He said, there are times though. Where you have an enemy, and something, Lord Jesus. Sometimes the enemy, and we like to say the enemy is just the devil. Sometimes we the devil. Sometimes it's these forces. Like my, there's a spirit using you, and so Jesus gives us some insight on how do you win your enemy, how do you deal with your enemy, and He says this in verse number thirty nine. He says, "Do not resist an evil person." My God, that's a, listen, man, we got to read this word. Y'all read, do y'all read up? with mean, we read the Bible up here. He said, if someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other one also. Now, see, I heard this. <laughs> Lord Jesus, we got to. <laughs> I used to hear that, you know, turn the other cheek. But it's really important for us, and I, I don't want to establish this first, is that Jesus is not saying that there's never a time to confront an evil person. And Jesus is not saying to just let evil run rampant in the earth. So let's just establish some baselines here is that Jesus is not saying when someone does evil, someone comes snatch your child, you just turn the other cheek. I'm going to turn the other cheek. If you put your hands on my son right here, but it's, it's, it's amen. All right. So Jesus is not saying allow evil to run rampant because if you read the verse before this, Before we even get to that, it says that Jesus is talking about the law and he's quoting from the Old Testament where he's saying an eye. You heard the law that says an eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth. Right. But what was happening in the Old Testament is what they the the law of Moses was establishing a baseline for justice in the community. So he was saying that if someone was to hurt another person and they caused them to lose their eye, the person that hurt them would lose their eye and that would be justice would be done. You've hurt somebody and caused them to lose their eye, you lose your eye. Justice is served. It is fair. It's just. And what he's saying is that don't say, you know, you scratch me in the face and then I'm going to give you a, a punch and I'm going to cut your leg off. He said they established these types of things, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth to establish to make sure that justice did not go overboard. To where if you cause someone to lose their eye, now you're going to go take their life. He said, that's not justice and that's not fair. So in the Old Testament, this passage or that particular phrase, an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, they were establishing justice for the nation of Israel. Remember, they were a new nation out of slavery. So Jesus, having the, God has taken them into the wilderness. He said, let me establish now righteous and just and fair laws for you to govern yourselves while you are a new nation. Understand what I'm saying? And so, but Jesus takes it further. He says so he said I'm not telling you let evil run rampant but this is what I'm telling you and if you're taking notes this is the first thing he says confuse them with kindness confuse them with kindness he says if you want to win your enemies he said you got to start he said you got to confuse them with kindness and what he's saying is you got to be willing to go beyond the evil that they may have done i know they cursed you out i know they did you wrong And this is the thing. You might be justified in going back and saying a little something. You might be. You might have a reason to go back and get them. But what Jesus is telling us, he's showing us, as he says, turn the other cheek, go two miles. If they take your coat, he said, give them your tunic, because he's saying you got more capacity in you for goodness than they do for evil. You can go beyond the evil that was done. You have more of God in you to go beyond the evil that was done against you. And he says, this begins to confuse them with kindness. He's asking, he says, are you able to not respond with how they responded to you and go beyond the evil that was done? Because the thing is, we love to talk about the weapons of our warfare not being carnal. We say that. We preach that real hard. They're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. But when it's time to use these weapons, sometimes we would be like, well, God, I don't want that. I want a fist. I want a curse word. (laughs) I want to fight now. I want nasty email like they sent to me. But what about the weapon of being kind when someone done done you wrong? And we don't like that. And I said, we notice I said, we from the full pit to the, we don't like that. When they didn't done me dirt wrong. And God said, go back and be kind to them. What about the weapon of praying for them? What about the weapon of waiting on God to intervene? What about the weapon of worship while there's war? What about the weapon of serving instead of slapping? Jesus is showing us you have greater in you than the evil that is done against us. First John chapter four, verse four, it says this. He tells him, he says, because because he who is greater. I started beginning says little children. Believers, dear ones, you are of God and you belong to him and have already come them, the agents of the Antichrist, the agents of this world, because he who is in you is greater than he, Satan, who is within the world. He tells us you got greater in you and you have greater in you than what was done against you. And when the enemy comes against us, we, he says we confuse them with kindness. Uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 20 through 21, it says this, on the contrary, this is Paul talking, if your enemy is hungry, feed them. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, listen, he says, you will heap burning coals on his head. And it says, verse 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. See, we quote people, we like, to, we like to revere people like Martin Luther King, but we realize that one of his main approaches was nonviolence. One of the main massive approaches, the, the strategies of the civil rights movement was nonviolence. Martin Luther King got that from Mahatma Gandhi. One of their main approaches was nonviolence. I have the ability to withstand the evil done against me. Oh my God, that's, listen, I'll write that down. Mahatma Gandhi, even though he was a Hindu man, Later taken up by Martin Luther King understood that within me is greater than what is within the evil man. What is within the evil person? What is within the person without self-control? I have greater on the inside of me because not because of me, not because of my own strength, but because of God in us. And Christ, as I said earlier, he's not saying don't ever confront the enemy. He's not saying let evil run rampant. We just let the crime go all in our city. He's not saying that. But he's saying I'm giving you a strategy of kingdom warfare. Because I'm saying fight, but don't fight like everybody else. I'm saying there is a time to fight. And we have to fight. Elder preached a great message a couple weeks ago about staying in the fight. But what he told us, there is a way to fight. That is God's way. And even Jesus showed us this because we see even Jesus got angry. The Bible tells us he went to the temple flipping over tables, right? So there's a time to confront foolishness because they were in there selling in the temple. And he said, my house is a house of prayer. So we have to understand the holistic approach of the word. He's not saying don't ever go to confront the enemy. He's saying there's a way to do it. That is God's way. And the first way he says, confusing with kindness. This is the next thing. The next thing is this. We have to love the unlovable love the unlovable in verse number 43 it says this you have heard the law that says love your neighbor and hate your enemy but I say love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you verse 46 tells us if you only love those who love you what reward is that what good is that if you only can treat people nice when they treat the only people that are cool with you you cool with them the thing is the last person we generally want to love is the person who persecutes us that's the last person on our list of love. That's a lot of times, That's the last person on our prayer list is the person that's plucking your last nerve. <laughs> the last person that's making my life a living fill in the blank. That's generally the last person I want to love. The person that made my job, my time at that job terrible. The person that made my time in the office horrible. The person that has made 2023 seem like a real down year. That's generally the last person we want to love and pray for. But I believe one of the issues, this is one of the issues where we read this verse and we scan over it and be like, "Okay, I'll do that because we miss the power of loving and praying. I'm going to say that again. We diminish the power of loving and praying. Think about this. Most of the time when you out and you tell somebody, hey, man, I just lost my job and they say, I'm praying for you. Most people be like, so you ain't doing nothing. I know I'm right, and y'all don't have to say amen because I know it's true. When people say oh, I'm praying for you, we don't we 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 generally be like, oh okay, they are not gonna do nothing, they are not gonna pray, they are not going to pray God, they not not they just praying. We have translated "I'm praying for you" as man. I don't know what to tell you. I hope it get better. That's what that's what we because we have diminished what it means to love and to pray for someone, right? This is why when someone says they're praying for you, and when Jesus says pray and love for, uh, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, we're like, okay, I'm not. Because that, uh, that means don't do nothing. That means just keep looking at them evil, right? But this is the thing, is that when we understand what love does and what prayer does, we would have a better time. We would have a better time stepping up to love and pray. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter number 13, verse 7, the Amplified Version, it says about love, it says love. Bears all things, regardless of what comes. Love believes all things, looking for the best in each one. Love hopes all things, remaining steadfast through the difficult. And it says, Love endures all things without weakening. Jesus is telling us, Do you understand what it means when I tell you to love somebody? He says, I'm not telling you to be passive with them. I'm telling you to bear something with them. I'm telling you to endure something with them. I'm telling you to believe something beyond what you see in them. I'm telling you to hope for the best in them. He says, I'm telling you this, this love it, it, later on in that passage, it says after all these things, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. So what we say, when he's telling you, love your enemies, he's saying, do something to your enemy that, that can only be done by super, but the supernatural power of God. And then he says this about prayer in Mark chapter eleven, verse twenty-four. He said the power of prayer is this: says whatever things you ask in prayer in accordance with God's will, with confident trust. He says you got to pray that you have received them and that they will be given to you. He said the power of prayer is so powerful that when you get in God's will and begin to pray. He said, you can begin to see doors open that you've seen closed for years. He said, you begin to see ways made that you've seen shut up for years. What What has happened, man? And the reason we don't understand loving and praying for our enemies is because we think that means doing nothing. And what loving and praying for them means, it means activating the supernatural before them. It means activate because when someone says, I'm praying for you, what they really should be saying is, I am tapping into the supernatural power of God on your behalf. I'm going before the throne. The Bible tells in Hebrews, let us come boldly before the throne of grace. I'm going before the throne of a king and his kingdom, and I'm asking him to move. And I'm not begging him to move. I'm asking my father. I'm not begging him to do anything. I'm asking my father step into this situation, and I'm asking in faith according to God's will. And so he says, he says this. He says, you got to learn how to love and pray and not diminish what that means. And this is just a side note, just prayer in general, is that a lot of times when we, when we think, we when we pray about something, we really take a passive approach. We think prayer is passive. We think prayer means doing nothing. This is what the world even thinks about the church, is that they're over there praying, Doing nothing. The crime rate going up in Raleigh, they praying. The government is becoming more corrupt, they praying. Homelessness is going up, they praying. They think we're doing nothing. But what we're doing is we are bombarding heaven. We are are tapping into the strategy of God. And we're partnering with him. We're We're not doing it on our own human strength. But we're tapping into supernatural ability. Supernatural power. And he says, "This verse 45. He says, in that way, when you do these things, when you love and pray for your enemies, he says, in this way, you will be acting as true children of your father in heaven. For he gives sunlight to both the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. But I want you to hear this. When he says he gives sunlight to both the evil and the good, rain on the just and, and the unjust. You know, I always thought that meant bad stuff happens to everybody. Rain falls on the just and the unjust. I always thought that was like, you know, bad stuff happened to everybody. But when you're a farmer, sunlight and rain are the best things that can happen to you. When you're a farmer, think about who he's talking to. He's talking to people that are familiar with agriculture sunlight and rain are two of the best things you can have when you got seed in the ground and what Jesus is saying remember he's talking about loving the unlovable he's saying that he's saying he's saying this the father the father does this by giving the two most important things to people who are farming whether they are evil or good he gives them rain and sunlight and they everybody's crops are growing whether they're evil or good he said everybody's getting a harvest even the evil man is getting a harvest because the evil man, though he may be evil, he catches a principle of sowing. My God, I'm not, we get we leave it because we we got to get up out of here. OK, so what he's saying is that God loves the unlovable by saying, I know there's evil in your heart, but because you've activated a principle of sowing, I'm still giving you sunlight and rain and you're still getting a harvest. This is how we have rich, evil people. This is how we have people with businesses and businesses and big bank accounts. And they are just as evil as evil can be because they are tapping into the principle. And God says, I know what it is to love the unlovable, to give them light and rain for the crops. And this is the last thing. This rolls us right into the next point is that what he tells us to do. Jesus tells us, confuse them with kindness, love the unlovable. And as I just said, imitate the father, because God, the father knows exactly what it's like to love his enemies. This is the thing. i read that in verse number 45 and verse number 48. It tells us this. It says, but you are to be perfect. Even as your father in heaven is perfect. Jesus gives this whole passage about what to do. And then he says, you got to do what God the father does. And that word perfect there, it is not perfection as we think of perfection. It is, the amplifier says, you. therefore you will be growing into spiritual maturity, both in mind and character, actively integrating godly values into your daily life as your father is perfect. He says you are to be maturing into the image of the father. You are to be growing into the full measure of the statue of Christ as your father He says, what I'm really telling you to do with dealing with your enemies is do what the father has done. And this is the thing is that in a passage like this, and I said this earlier because we got, you know, I said this earlier about having enemies. Well, a lot of times in a passage like this, we love to place ourselves in the position of the righteous. But what if I told you that you were an enemy? What if I told you that you were on the wrong side of the tracks? What if I told you that you were the one that was faced with judgment? What, what if I told you that, that it was God who saw you as an enemy? What if I told you that it was God that says, you're the one who's persecuting me. And guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to love you anyway. Guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to pray for you anyway. Guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to give you sunlight and rain anyway. The Bible tells us in this, this in Romans chapter 5, verse 8 through 10, it says this, but God showed his great love for us. By sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son. Check this. While we were still his enemies. We will certainly be saved through the life of his son. The biggest enemy there ever was was what we were as enemies of God in our sins. And so before we get so self-righteous and say, Oh, I know how to deal with that person in my job. I want you to remember that there was a time without Christ that you were the enemy, that you were the one on the other side. And God said, you know how to strike you, right? In your sins, you should be dead right now. But God says, while we were yet his enemies, while we were yet on the wrong side of this thing, while we were yet on the other side of the picket line, while we were yet on the other side with our weapons of sin, with our weapons of depravity, with our weapons of disobedience. He says, right while you were on the other side, I was loving the unlovable. I was sending my son to shed his blood for you when you didn't even know it, when you didn't even realize it, when you didn't even recognize it, and when you weren't even ready to receive it. And for some of us, even when we found out about Christ, it took us 10 more years to even receive it. <laughs> <Don't you? laughs> It took us 15 more years to finally give our life to Christ. Because God says, I know exactly what it means. I know exactly what it looks like to love my enemies. And we see this even in the passage, too, where the Bible talks about turning the other cheek, where it talks about if a soldier asks you to march one mile, you go two. If it talks about when you go to court and they take your, your jacket, you give them your coat, too. Remember, the Bible tells us that it was Jesus's beard that was torn from his cheek the Bible tells us in Isaiah chapter 50 verse 6 it says a prophecy about Christ he says I offered my back to those who beat me and my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard I think Jesus knows what it is to turn the other cheek was it not Jesus that was taken to court before Pontius Pilate and accusations were thrown against him about being a false prophet and a false god and a false king and did not Jesus sit silently and say you have said I'll let you have your accusations. Was it not Jesus that was taken to court and falsely accused? Was it not Jesus that was forced to march up to the Mount of Golgotha to Calvary? Was it not Jesus that was forced to take those steps after he was beaten? Jesus said, I'm not telling you to do something I'm not already done. He said, when I tell you turn the other cheek, it's because I know what it's like to have my cheek beaten. When I tell you to march another mile, I know what it's like to march to the cross. When I tell you to take the accusation and keep on loving, I know what it's like to take the accusations and keep on loving. He told the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus, he says, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Jesus tells us this. He said, it ain't about you. It ain't about your enemies. You got to recognize you are the enemy. And I know you think you're righteous, and I know you think you're high, and I know you think you're on your horse, and I know you think you do everything right, but he said, you are the enemy. And I'm telling you to do what God does, and that is love his enemies. He's been kind to us when we've been unkind. He's forgiven us when we've been foolish. He has watched over us when we have been wayward. He knows what it's like to love us out of our foolishness. He knows what it's like to love us out of our mess. He knows what it's like to pull us out of the pits. He says, I'm going to tell you how to win your enemy. Do what I did to you. I'm going to tell you how to win your enemy. Do what I do for you daily. And that is be faithful when we are unfaithful. That is be loving, loving us when we are unlovable. And there are times I can say for myself, sometimes I just be, I be like, God, you love me anyhow. Thank you for loving me. Because I recognize that there was a time where I was on the other side of that thing. In the wrong place, in the wrong spot. But the Father extended his love to us while we were yet sinners. He said, that's how you win your enemy. You do what the Father does. Amen? Amen. Come on, bow your heads. Let's pray.